You're listening to A Slice of Therapy with me, Alan Parry. What I'm going to do today in this episode is to show you how to retrain your body so you're less likely to slip into depressive states. So we're going to look at how to retrain your body so you're less likely to slip into depressive states. Now, what do I mean by a depressive state? What I mean by that is kind of where we go into a low mood or our energy is low, where we feel kind of shut down and numb, where we're wanting to separate ourselves from other people and where we feel kind of disengaged and demotivated about the things that we would usually enjoy in life, you know, things that we would like to do normally, we feel like we don't want to do them, we can't be bothered. And it's important to kind of address that because it'd be not too much of a problem if we just went into that kind of state for, you know, half an hour or so and then came back to ourselves. But those kind of states, because they're kind of low mood, because they're low energy, because they feel demotivated, they can hang around for quite quite a while, can't they? You know, it's a little bit like being stuck down a hole, but without the energy or motivation to get back out of it again. And so these kind of states can really stick around and, and, and really rob us of days and days at a time. And so having some sort of way of ensuring that we don't slip into those depressive states as much can be really helpful. And so what I want to look at today is how to retrain your body so that's less likely to happen. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, hang on, Al, train your body. Surely in terms of a depressive state, you, you need to be retraining your mind. Well, you know, that can be useful as well. But what's really overlooked, I think, is the role of the body in terms of creating what goes on in the mind. And so the thoughts that we have often echo what's going in, on in the body. So to give you an example... If you've had a great night's sleep, for instance, and you wake up feeling refreshed and full of beans, it's far more likely that you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to feel happy. Whereas if you feel really drained and exhausted and you've had a hard day, it's more likely that your thoughts are going to be, you know, more kind of downbeat. Now, I won't be talking about sleep in terms of this. I'm going to be talking instead about the physical state that your nervous system goes into. Now, I speak about the nervous system quite a lot on this podcast, and I think it's important because it's not just a it's not just a psychological theory. This is part of your physiological biology. It's how you're physically made. And it's important to understand how it works because once you understand how it works, you can start to use it as a tool to retrain your body, to retrain your nervous system more specifically so that we can avoid slipping into depressive states in quite the same way. So let me give you an example of what I mean. And this example will show the three states that our nervous system enters into, that our bodies enter into. So let's say, for instance, you go back thousands and thousands of years and you're kind of a primitive human version of you. And you're out there in the, you know, wherever you are and you're chatting happily or you're engaging socially. You might be doing a little project together with 
somebody that you feel pretty safe with, you know, a friend or whatever. So you're chatting happily with this friend thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And so that's the first state, that kind of chatting happily state with your friend. You're feeling safe, you're feeling okay, you're fine to be socially engaged. But then you look up and hurtling towards you at breakneck speed is a very hungry looking saber-toothed tiger. Now straight away, even without asking you what it should do, because that's going to take up time and make sure that you're more likely to get caught, what your nervous system will do is it will instantly notice the unsafety and it will start to mobilise to escape. So it spots a problem and it mobilises to deal with the problem. And so before you're even thinking about it, you'll notice that your legs are running you away from the situation. And so that's the second state. So we've seen you've got the chatting happily state where you're socially engaged. And then when you see the saber-toothed tiger, your nervous system will switch on a different part of your nervous system that allows you to mobilise and escape and deal with the problem. Now, the third state is what happens, though, if the saber-toothed tiger is much faster than you are? And it catches you. Now, what will happen then is if the saber-toothed tiger both catches you and overpowers you, so you running away is impossible, you fighting back is impossible, what will most likely happen then is another part of your nervous system will switch on, which is effectively something that takes you into shutdown. And what will happen in shutdown is that your body will start to numb and you'll kind of go into that freeze place. Now, this is really helpful for two reasons. It's our oldest defense mechanism, in fact, and it's helpful for two reasons. First of all, because, you know, if you are going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, you may as well be numb while it's happening because it'll be a much less difficult experience if you if your senses are all numbed. But the second reason is that if you're there effectively playing dead, it's possible that the saber-toothed tiger might think, okay, it's dead now, I'll go and get my cubs and we can all share in the meal. And then while it's off, you can scarper. And so it's a really old defence mechanism. So there's three states there. And in that example, it shows us the three different aspects of our nervous system that can switch on. First of all, chatting happily. Secondly, when we notice a problem and our body mobilises us in an attempt to deal with the problem, which just happens to be the saber-toothed tiger in this instance. But we have all sorts of problems in life, don't we? So it mobilises to deal with the problem. And then when the problem gets too overwhelming and you can't deal with it, then you'll go into shutdown. And these are just very natural ways for our body to work. Now, everybody's nervous system is made this way. This is not a psychological theory. It's a biological fact of how we're put together. So everybody's nervous system is made this way with these three different parts in. But how that nervous system will operate in service of looking after you will depend on your history. So it will operate differently depending on what our experiences are, depending on how it has learned to best keep us safe, to best look after us. Because after all, that is the purpose or one of the purposes of 
the nervous system with these three different states that we've just spoken about. So let me give you an example in terms of how it might have learned to operate. So let's say, for instance, let's say you grew up in a home where there was violence in the home. And let's say that the violence happened a lot. Now, you're a child, so you can't solve that problem. There's no way you can solve that problem. You'll probably want to, but you can't because you don't have the power to, much like when you're overpowered by the saber-toothed tiger. And so what your nervous system will learn very quickly, especially if this has happened a lot, so this is a repeated event, and so your nervous system is taking cues from this, what your nervous system will learn is that it's neither safe nor possible to solve this problem, to try solving this problem. It makes no sense to solve the problem because to try and solve it because it's not solvable by you. It's, it's, it's too big a problem for you. You're only a child. But also it's not safe to spend time trying to solve this problem. And so what it will probably do in that example where the child is growing up, say, where there is violence, is rather than trying to solve the problem and staying in that mobilized state for too long, it'll more likely move more quickly into the shutdown state. So you'll go into that kind of tortoise in the shell. Now, the tortoise in the shell sort of response involves things like feeling numb, feeling low energy. The kind of things that we associate emotionally with a depressive state, low mood, low energy, shut down, numb, separating ourselves from people, disengaged from the good things in life. And so to summarise there, we've seen an example where even though the nervous system is in each of us, and even though these three parts are in each of us, you can see how the nervous system might learn to protect us in a slightly different way and so learn to, learn to kind of operate in a different way depending on what our history is. And so if it doesn't feel particularly safe to go and address the problem, maybe our nervous system in that situation would decide that it's better to shut down instead and so be more likely to shut down and so therefore to put it in emotional terms be more likely to slip into one of those depressive states and so what I want to do in terms of this final section is to look at how we can start to retrain the body now again I'm not talking about retraining the mind because the mind is often an echo of our nervous system's state when we're chatting happily and we feel safe, then we'll feel okay to chat happily. When there's a problem, we're not going to be thinking everything's okay with the world as a saber-toothed tiger is running towards us. And then when the saber-toothed tiger's actually caught us, we're going to have another set of thoughts again. So our bodily state actually influences what we think. So I'm going to focus here on that overlook thing of how to start retraining the body so we're less likely to slip into depressive states. Now, what I've said so far is that everyone's nervous system is made the same way, but it operates differently depending on how it's learned to protect us based on our history, based on our experiences of life, that we're more likely to slip into a depressive state if for some reason 
what we've learned is that it's neither safe nor possible to solve problems. And so what I want to look at here is a way to re-educate and retrain your nervous system. That it's both possible and safe to move into that mobilized state and solve the problem and then go back to feeling okay. Because that's a, an optimal thing that we'd like, really. We're feeling okay. The problem comes along. We mobilize and solve the problem and go back to that okay state where we're chatting happily again. Now, one of the problems is that, like I said earlier, we've perhaps been in a set of experiences where our nervous system doesn't go into that problem-solving mode because it doesn't feel as though it's safe or possible to do that. So what we need to do is to start to train the nervous system that actually, even though that might have been true back then, we need to give it some new experiences and teach it that solving the problem is both possible and safe. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is to start problem solving, addressing problems as a repeated practice. Now, when I'm talking about problems, I'd really invite you to start very, very small. You see, we all have problems in life, many of which we're tolerating or we overlook or whatever. But many wins are better than one big win. Many wins are better simply because we're trying to re-educate the nervous system here that it's safe and possible to fix things for ourselves. And so when you're re-educating like that, what we're hoping to do is to give the nervous system a set of experiences, not just one, but we repeatedly fix the problem and teach it that not only is fixing the problem possible, that addressing the problem is possible, but it's also safe to do as well. And so what I'd recommend and invite you to do is to not try and solve the biggest problem in your world, but solve the little things. So I don't know, as I'm sat next to me at the moment, I notice that I've got, well, I suppose you could call it a little bit of litter. You know, I had a bar of something last night and before I went to bed, I left, I left the wrapper here. So the, the wrapper is next to me this morning as I'm doing this podcast. I don't want the wrapper there. So that's an example of me fixing a problem. It's kind of a deliberate fixing of that problem. Or it might be, I don't know, there might be um, there might be a, a, a tree, for example, or, or a plant, like in, in your front garden or something like that, where you think, well, yeah, I've been meaning to do that for a while. Just choose these very small things in order to solve the problem. And the other thing, which I think is even more important, even though it might not feel quite so safe and possible to solve those bigger problems, and that's the very thing that invites us into a shutdown state, understandably so, you will, after all, still be a person who solves problems. Because you have to be. Even if you might be more likely, your nervous system might more likely invite you into a shutdown state, You'll still be solving problems throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your life. And so one of the things that I'd invite you to do, which is probably even more powerful than anything that I'm saying in terms of my advice, is to 
Think about how you solve problems. When you do actually address things and you get things fixed, how do you do that? Because if you can start doing that even more so and bringing that into your life more and more, what will happen is that you'll be re-educating your nervous system that it's possible to fix things, not just as a one-off, but as an expectation that it has. And when it has an expectation that you can solve the problem, then it'll no longer think that this is not possible. And so your nervous system will go from that feeling okay to mobilizing you to solve the problem and back again, rather than assuming that you can't solve the problem and so dragging you into a shutdown state. So however best you tend to solve your problems, do that more. Because that already works for you. And so you you don't really need to reinvent the wheel on that front. It's more a case that you just apply that more. That you intentionally decide to fix more and more of your problems as a repeated practice. Now remember, they don't have to be big problems. And in fact, I'd start off easy for two reasons. Firstly, because if you start off easy then that's a safer place to start. And your nervous system is needing an invite into safety. If you solve a big problem and it fails, it confirms the old teaching rather than the new teaching. But secondly, small problems are everywhere. And so if you're going to turn this into a repeated, deliberate practice, then small problems are a better place, a better source of material, if you like to help your nervous system understand that fixing and addressing problems is possible and safe to do. So let's just summarise what we've looked at, because it's been quite a long podcast, this, deliberately so, because it's an important one. But let's summarise. We first looked at the idea that we can retrain our body, our nervous system, so that it's less likely to slip into depressive states. Those things where we feel low mood, low energy, shut down, numb, separating ourselves from others, demotivated from the things we would normally like to do, that we can retrain our body rather than simply focusing on the mind. And we looked at that example, didn't we, where the prehistoric version of you is there chatting happily to a friend, and that's one nervous system state. And then the tiger comes And so you get all mobilized and energized in order to deal with the problem. And that's the second state. And then the third state is when you're actually caught and it goes into shutdown, where you couldn't solve the problem. And it became so overwhelming that instead you went into shutdown. And we looked at how everyone's nervous system has these three things, but the way the nervous system operates will depend upon our experiences. So we saw that example of, someone who grows up in a, say, a violent home and they're only a child and it's happening a lot, that because you can't solve the problem, then your nervous system might well learn that that middle state where you mobilise to address the problem isn't really possible and it's definitely not safe. And so the way you, you would be more likely to respond to that, your nervous system would decide to go into a shutdown state a little bit more quickly than if you were not in that experience. And you can see why it makes sense that that would happen. And so finally, what we looked at here is that 
that shutdown state, if we view that emotionally, represents what we might think of as a depressive state, where we go like a tortoise in our shell. We get a low mood, low energy. We're shut down. We feel numb. We're separate. We're separating ourselves from others. We're not involved in the things that we would normally like to do. The tortoise is now disappeared into the shell. And so emotionally, that's exactly what we're referring to when we think of a depressive state. And so the solution to this, or at least one of the solutions to start retraining your nervous system so that it understands that it's both safe and possible to address problems is to give it an experience of you repeatedly addressing problems. Only small ones, but the fact that they're repeated is what offers the training to your nervous system. And so you become a person who fixes problems. Now, the smaller the better because it's a bigger source of material and also because they're going to be things that you're going to be able to fix rather than big overwhelming things. But once your nervous system starts to get a different training and a different way of operating, what is likely to happen is that it will break that old response And so what it will do instead is when a problem arises, it will allow you to stay in that mobilized state. It will expect you to safely and effectively address the problem. You will start to think of yourself as a result, as someone who is capable of addressing these problems. You know, the American psychologist Martin Seligman has a term called learned helplessness that he refers to about this kind of thing. And I don't really like the term because it sounds it sounds almost uh, pejorative in some ways, doesn't it? But what it's actually describing is that sense that I've talked about here where the body's nervous system has been through an experience whereby mobilizing to solve the problem doesn't seem possible to it anymore or seems less possible mobilizing to solve the problem maybe doesn't feel quite so safe and so giving it the that experience of watching you solving these little problems over and over again as a repeated practice what that actually does is helps to retrain your nervous system so that it moves into that mobilizing state where you fix things rather than going into the tortoiseshell state where you move into something that feels much more overwhelmed and depressed. And so if you found this helpful, please do share it so other people can get the benefit as well. If you'd like to work with me directly, you can do. Uh, You can work with me one-to-one. I'm Alan Parry. You'll find out more at liverpoolpsychotherapy.co.uk. And I work online, so it doesn't matter what your location is. I'll still be able to work with you. And uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast because it's completely free and it means you'll never miss an episode again. So thanks for listening. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another one.